1: I am the mother of a preteen who just started going through puberty. She's very upset because she's been getting bad acne. Is this common? I tell her it's probably because she eats so much junk food. Is this true? How can I help her?
0: Oh my goodness, acne. Oof. It is extremely common in the teenage years. We know that 85% of adolescents will experience
1: acne. I'm surprised it's not 100%. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I know. Who's responding to the survey, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And and unfortunately, this isn't just a teen problem because for many people, it persists until their 20s or 30s.
0: Yes. Like what I'm referring to right now as my maskne situation um, that I have going on.
1: (laughs) Your skin looks flawless, Dr. Lena.
0: It's it's good makeup, but definitely have still experienced um, acne into my 30s. But this is something that's really common and everybody deals with.
1: Mm -hmm. So as a teen, skin problems can be really challenging because so much of self-esteem at this age really focuses on how kids look.
0: Mm -hmm. And untreated acne, depending on the severity, can lead to long-lasting scarring and darkening of the skin or what we refer to as hyperpigmentation.
1: Fortunately, there are some very effective treatments for acne that can help minimize the distress of teen acne and decrease the likelihood of permanent skin changes later in life.
0: That's true. So today we're going to discuss acne, why it occurs, and what the most common treatment options are. But before we dive into your kind of garden variety teenage acne, we should briefly touch on neonatal acne and infantile acne.
1: Neonatal acne usually arises between birth and six weeks of age. It will resolve on its own in the majority of cases, and it's really nothing to worry about, and you don't need to do anything about it. But it can occasionally be treated with a topical treatment, such as ketoconazole or hydrocortisone. Unlike the acne we'll be discussing later, this early acne is thought to be occasionally related to overgrowth of the normal yeast flora of our own skin.
0: And infantile acne occurs between six weeks old and one year. It's more likely to occur in male infants, and it's often a mix of what we call comodones or, or, you know, those white and black heads and inflammatory acne, which are more of the deep, big red kind of cystic lesions. It is worth mentioning to your physician because if it's severe, it can actually lead to scarring. And so your healthcare provider may recommend a cream, which we'll discuss more later.
1: And then there is mid-childhood acne, and this occurs in the age range of one to seven years of age. And it's pretty rare. Anytime a child develops true acne at this age, they should be evaluated because it raises concern for abnormal elevation of hormones like androgens early in life. And this requires additional laboratory investigation.
0: Right. And we talked a little bit about that in our puberty episode with discussion on early puberty. So this is all good to know, but let's talk about the one that we will all experience, the teenage acne, usually co-occurring with the onset of adrenarchy, which you can refer back to our podcast on puberty for a little reminder on what that is.
1: Mm -hmm. And so the onset of acne is caused by a combination of various factors, increased androgen production during puberty, increases production of sebum by the sebaceous glands.
0: So tell us what sebum is. It's always a fun word.
1: Yeah, so (laughs) sebum is an oily substance that's secreted that helps moisturize and protect your skin. So it's a good thing, except too much of it can cause the follicles of your skin to plug, and this creates an ideal environment for the growth of a bacterium, which is aptly named Cutie bacterium acnes, or (laughs) C. acnes. So,
0: Cutie? Some people think it's not so cutie, right? Yeah. (laughs) It may not be aptly named with that, but uh, the acne is part of it is nice because we can actually remember it versus some of the other things in medical school that were Mm -hmm. difficult to remember. So when the bacteria accumulates, it causes a local inflammatory response, and then it leads to things we see as acne. So whiteheads or big inflammatory lesions, these are most likely to occur in what we refer to as the T-zone, which is the forehead, the nose, and the chin, um, because this is where the majority of sebum is produced.
1: Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping we can do a little myth-busting on this episode regarding acne and diet, Because it's so common to have a teenager in the office and have the mother or the father going off about how their skin is so bad because they eat lots of chocolate, is the one that I hear most of, or greasy food. They had a lot of French fries or something. Is there any data to really back up this claim that food food ingestion is related to acne outbreaks?
0: Uh, yeah, so here's the deal with diet. There have been some studies that show that a low glycemic diet leads to fewer pimples. So So what does this mean? What is low glycemic or high glycemic? So high glycemic foods and drinks are ones that raise your blood sugar really quickly. So when we think of this, we think of things like, White breads, bagels, chips, cookies. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm.
1: Also known as the hallmark of most American diets, right?
0: Yes, unfortunately. And low glycemic foods are those that avoid quick jumps in blood sugar. So like vegetables and whole grains. One study I looked at, looked at just over 2,000 individuals on this type of low glycemic diet. And of these participants, 87% reported less acne and 91% said they needed less of their acne medication. But it's important to know that these studies were small. And while they found that having this low glycemic diet might help improve acne, there was no data to actually suggest an association between a high glycemic diet and the development of acne, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, but there's so many additional benefits outside the possibility of decreasing the amount of acne to this kind of diet that it seems worth a try. It's a healthier diet, right? Yeah,
0: I mean, maybe, but you have to think about how hard this is for teenagers um, when all of this is going on. So, um, you know.
1: So, but we should encourage parents to continue to nag their children to eat healthy.
0: (laughs) Yes, of course. And there are also some studies that have linked people who consume a lot of milk to being more likely to
1: have acne. So it sounds like in the end, there's more research needed looking into this, but it's worth looking at your own breakouts and see if you feel that milk, fast food, or junk food trigger your own outbreaks.
0: Mm -hmm. So I guess I couldn't really, unfortunately, debunk that myth entirely.
1: Well, now let's get to the good stuff, really, the treatment of acne.
0: Yes. And so depending on the type of acne you have, if it's more of a blackhead and whitehead, those in medicine we refer to as open and closed comedones, or more of an inflammatory acne, that deep, more painful cystic acne, your treatment approach is going to be different. Um, It's also maybe different if you have it just on your face or if you have it on your face and your chest and your back. So lots of different options out there.
1: Mm -hmm. There are also so many options for creams and gels and face washes. It can really seem overwhelming to most people.
0: Right. And we know that each individual's skin is unique, which is why it is important to consult with your doctor and see what treatment regimen may be best for you. But we'll go through some of the basics today.
1: Before we get to medications, it's important to also know that your doctor will discuss that the goal of most acne treatments is not to never get a pimple ever again, but to get better control, to decrease the number of pimples, to decrease the outbreaks. So many of these medications require at least several weeks before you see an effect, and many times the skin may get worse before it gets better, so you got to be patient. Mm
0: -hmm, Which is hard to do at this age or any age, really. (laughs) (laughs) I always remind my teenagers not to pick at their skin as this can worsen scarring over time. And if they wear makeup, they should choose products that are oil-free and um, will be labeled as non-comedogenic.
1: For mild acne, topical gels or creams are recommended as first-line treatment.
0: Many will start with what's called a retinoid. You may see this by the brand name of Tretinoin or Retin-A, Adapalene or Differin.
1: Mm -hmm. And one of the main side effects of topical retinoids are photosensitivity or sensitivity to the sun and skin peeling and skin irritation. They can also be teratogenic, so they should be avoided during pregnancy. Teratogenic meaning that it can uh, affect the growing fetus in a harmful way.
0: Mm -hmm. I remember learning from a dermatologist once that those um, topical retinoids are also really good for wrinkles, so I have kept using them.
1: (laughs) You know, well, that, well, they're, they're as working. A,
0: as a preventative strategy.
1: <laughs> oh, because you don't have any wrinkles. <laughs> Another common treatment is benzyl peroxide, either as a face wash or a topical gel. Face washes can be purchased over the counter, and you can generally want a face wash with less than 10% benzyl peroxide. Otherwise, if it's a higher concentration, it can be too drying and irritating. And this can sometimes be combined with a topical antibiotics, such as clindamycin.
0: It's also important to know that benzoyl peroxide can bleach your pillowcases and towels, a lesson that I personally learned the hard way. Um, so maybe you don't want to use that really gorgeous pink pillowcase when you're using it. <laughs> <laughs> and so the general spiel as a starting point that I give in my office for, for kind of that mild acne is to wash their face with benzoyl peroxide in the morning Then apply a non-comedogenic moisturizer with sunscreen. This is really important, the sunscreen component, because that will help um, reduce scarring. And at night, wash with a gentle facial cleanser like Cetaphil, and then apply your topical retinoid. Not just to the active lesions, which sometimes we think to do like, oh, I have a pimple here and here and here, so I'm going to put it just on those. But you actually want to put it on the whole face or the whole T-zone to make sure that you're not only helping resolve existing lesions, but also preventing new ones.
1: Okay, so let's say you've been doing topical treatment for a few months, or maybe the teen has more of that cystic inflammatory acne or involvement of the back or the chest. What would the next step be?
0: At this point, your pediatrician or dermatologist may recommend adding an oral medication. In females, sometimes we use a combined oral contraceptive or a birth control pill. There's also a medication called spironolactone that helps stabilize some of those hormones that are leading to the increased sebum production. So those can be commonly prescribed.
1: Another option is oral antibiotics to help control the Cutie bacterium acnes bacteria. The two most commonly used are doxycycline and minocycline.
0: Mm-hmm. It's important to take these with water and remain upright for 10 minutes after taking them to avoid something called pill esophagitis or irritation of the esophagus. Side effects of these medications can include headache, photosensitivity, which we discussed before, kind of stomach pain, and then you can get some discoloration of the gums or teeth. Minocycline specifically can rarely cause a more serious side effect um, of liver disease and joint pain, and both of these should really be avoided in pregnancy. Given the more significant side effects with minocycline, many providers prefer doxycycline as a first-line therapy for for acne, these more severe acnes. These medications should be used for as short of a time as possible, so ideally just like two to four months before we're trying to taper them off. Dr. Dean, I know, of course, as a person who believes in antibiotic stewardship, this may be a difficult um, use. For you of antibiotics, what do you think? Is there any studies to show that using these lead to antibiotic resistance?
1: Oh, sure, they do. But of course, by the time you're using these, I mean, the acne is a real problem. And they work, so it's worth it to address it. And antibiotic resistance is always a concern with any antibiotic. And that is that the antibiotic can kill off the sensitive bacteria Then you're left with bacteria on your skin and in your gastrointestinal tract that may cause invasive disease, and it may be more difficult to treat. One of the ones that parents may have heard of is Clostridium difficile or C. diff. That may occur. That's a bacterial overgrowth in the intestines that causes bloody diarrhea. But fortunately, this is much less common in children compared to older adults. And of course, you know, with any a- antibiotic, you can get an allergic reaction. But otherwise, they're, they're very well tolerated.
0: Yeah. So that's just another reason that um, if your skin is looking better to try and get it off as soon as possible, but definitely worth a try if you have that more cystic scarring acne. And lastly, if you have really severe acne that hasn't responded to any of the above therapies, going to a dermatologist to consider isotretinoin. Many people may recognize that under the brand name of Accutane, which I've learned recently while researching this doesn't actually exist anymore, but that's still what people know it as. um, That may be appropriate. This is an oral retinoid, so not the type that we topically apply to the face, but a pill that you take every day. And it's really the most effective treatment for severe disease um, or acne that's really scarring and hasn't responded to other treatments.
1: It does have significantly more side effects, and so that leads some patients and parents to be hesitant about using it. Almost all people on it will experience drying of the skin. It can also cause muscle aches, elevation in cholesterol and liver enzymes. And this is usually transient, but it will be monitored intermittently with laboratory tests, so it needs intermittent blood draws. And there has been some debate about whether this medication increases the risk of developing inflammatory bowel disease, and the studies looking into this have shown mixed results and are inconclusive at this time.
0: Very importantly, all women should know that this medication is extremely teratogenic, meaning it can lead to birth defects if you get pregnant while taking it. So any woman that's sexually active needs to be on two forms of birth control or abstinence um, before you get your prescription and you get a pregnancy test every month.
1: Okay, that was a great overview of acne in teens about why it develops and some possible treatment options.
0: Although, like we mentioned, there are tons of medications out there, we know each individual is unique, so it's important to consult with your doctor about what treatment options are best for you.
1: So let's summarize today's topic. Acne is extremely common. It occurs in approximately 85% of adolescents.
0: It's caused by increased sebum production and the proliferation of C. acne's bacteria within the skin follicle.
1: Studies looking at the role of diet in the development of acne has been mixed, but there may be some benefit of a low glycemic diet.
0: Depending on your individual type of acne and its location, your physician may recommend a face wash or cream or an oral medication.
1: And for the most severe acne, isotretinoin may be considered under the guidance of a dermatologist.
0: We would like to thank Dr. Smita Awasthi, a pediatric dermatologist here at UC Davis Children's Hospital, for reviewing today's episode, although Dr. Dean and I take responsibility for any errors or misinformation.
1: And of course, that reminds me of an acne joke. (laughs) Oh, no. Why do the police dislike arresting people with acne? Uh, Why? Because they're good at breaking out.
0: (laughs) Uh, That's good. I actually, a little personal anecdote about this, did um, take isotretinoin as a teenager.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, I did, like, kind of try different things, and my acne was not... It just wasn't responsive to other things very well, although, I, you know, teenagers are not great with compliance of these things, like actually doing the creams every day. And so to be honest, I'm not sure how great my compliance was, but at any point I ended up at that, um, and I, th- I think I was on it for maybe three months or so, and it really is a miracle drug. Like, <laughs> it completely got rid of all of my pimples within, you know, weeks, and and. It's definitely not something to be taken lightly, like we discussed the side effects. But for kids that are going to have long-lasting scarring or other things, I do think it's something reasonable to consider with a discussion with your parents and your doctor and a dermatologist. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. I don't remember having severe acne. I think I had like regular acne and grew out of it. But what I, you know, what I remember about this subject is when I I remember in medical school, when we were learning about this and in residency and the treatment, and the treatment was like this total shotgun approach, everybody had their own unique way of approaching it. And then I can't remember when it was the was it was like the 80s, the 90s or something that like these guidelines came out that were like crystal clear about like <laughs> what you start with, the next step if that doesn't work. And I thought that's great. We didn't have these when I was in training. It just made it so much more clear.
0: Yeah, it is. There's a there's a nice sort of algorithm to follow depending on the type of acne. And so so and I always bring this up with my teenagers because for some reason they're nervous to ask about it or they haven't really thought about it or they don't know that their pediatrician can help them with this. So it's one of my favorite things to bond with teenagers as they're in my office to be like, are you interested in trying something for your skin or has that, or is your skin something that bothers you? And you just like see their face light up like, oh, you can do that?
1: <laughs> um,
0: and so that's always a nice, a nice point to discuss with our teens.
1: That wraps up this episode of Kids Considered.
0: You can find more information on our website, kidsconsidered.ucdavis.edu.
1: Follow us on Twitter at KidsConsidered
0: and Instagram at KidsConsidered.
1: If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you.
0: Please call us. Our number is 916 915 3388.
1: Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com.